Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. A podcast of Ira with Janine Stanley. Episode three: Accessing business travel and more. Are you in? Welcome to this episode of Access Matters. I'm Janine Stanley, Director of Customer Success and Engagement here at Ira. In this episode, we're still going to be talking travel, but we're also going to be talking about a lot of other dynamics that play into employment for people with disabilities. And there's no organization that better represents the range of issues involved with employment for people with disabilities than Disability In. We're talking with Jeff Whistle, Chief Accessibility Officer at Disability Inn. Hi, Jeff, and welcome to Access Matters. Hi, Janine. And today we're going to be talking about travel, but first, I would love everyone to know a little bit more about Disability Inn. Tell us about your organization. Absolutely. Disability Inn, we are a leading nonprofit organization, and we really work with our corporate partners who are ready to take action on disability inclusion and ESG initiatives is how I look at it. We provide benchmarking. We have something called the um, Disability Equality Index Survey, the DEI. We had over 415 corporations take this survey last year. And it's a way to raise the level of conversation to the senior most levels within their organizations on everything from culture, accessibility, disability inclusion, um, self-ID campaigns, um, everything you can think of for disability equity and inclusion is in this survey. And companies you know, get scores and we uh, promote the, the companies that score 80, 90, and 100. We host a conference each year this July. We're gonna have over 2,000 passionate leaders in accessibility, disability, inclusion at our conference, another 2,000 joining us virtually. We have mentoring programs for students with disabilities. We're going to fly probably 70, 75 of them to the conference. It's incredible. It's a mentoring program, and many of them will get receive job offers on spot at the conference. Wow. Another really cool thing, Disability Inn, we are the certifying organization for disability-owned businesses, which is part of supplier diversity programs. Janine, many of these companies would have very little luck getting contracts with corporate America if it wasn't for the, the supplier diversity programs. So we're thrilled to be able to be that certifying organization. And, you know, thinking about it, I mean, we definitely provide expert counseling and consulting for corporate initiatives that really transform business and promotes you know societal progress and so forth and what all that boils down to companies see significant gains in profitability increased innovation improved shareholder value there's an accenture report on our website disabilityin.org that actually shows how Companies that focus in on disability, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and belonging actually see increased return on investment and so forth. And 
all the really amazing things that go along with the enhanced uh, reputation for being inclusive and accessible. And we quote that report often on this podcast. It was in our first episode. It'll probably be in many, many more, along with the McKinsey report that has just come out recently mm-hmm. about uh, similar issues in consumer spending with organizations. So both sides of the equation there. That's Disability in. Jeff, tell us a little bit about Jeff Whistle. Who is this guy? I am a white male in my mid-50s and uh, very thinning hair. Uh, what hair I do have left has turned uh, light gray. I um, am blessed to be married to my wife, Carla, for over 25 years. We have two amazing daughters who are 21 and 17. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio all my life. I retired from a 28-year-long career at an amazing um, leading financial firm that I dearly loved. Everything I did there, I was a certified financial planner for a good majority of that time. The last seven years of my career there, on a professional level, I met a mentor who lost her vision uh, over two decades ago and was a uh, vice president. Was mm-hmm. So she, she helped me to learn to embrace my vision loss as a strength and not as the perceived weakness or vulnerability I, that I once felt it was. And all of that being said, today, Jenny and I'm proud to share, um, and I do all the time, that I am legally blind with a degenerative eye disease called RP or retinitis pigmentosa. And the reason I share that on this podcast is I am a former actor. I was an actor for the first 48 years of my life. I was acting like I was fully sighted, even though I have been losing vision all of my life oh, and continue to I lose vision. Oh, can I empathize with this, Jeff? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm proud to share I'm legally blind because something that was something I felt I needed to hide is now something I lead with because on a personal level, amazing family support and all that, professional level, I didn't have anyone in my life, in my circle, who was blind, low vision. When I found my mentor, it just it changed everything. And I think it's one of my key responsibilities as a CAO is to shine the light on the fact that 70-plus percent of disabilities are invisible, and many of us view it as a vulnerability. And when we embrace that vulnerability, it, it, the light bulb can go off, and it just changes things for the better. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you so much. As our listeners are learning, there are a lot of us out there who are actors and pretty darn good actors, too, at times, uh, Mm -hmm. to our own detriment, I think. Now, we're going to ask you the question we ask everyone coming to this podcast. Define access. I will define access from my perspective as a person with a visual disability. So... And this is definitely more later in life for me. I, if I had a magic wand, I would, uh, I don't know if I would have done anything differently, but I would have had more information. But what I want to say is for me, I define access as mobility, the ability to use information, tools, and resources, and the ability to navigate the physical world. I believe, for me, access means having information that empowers me to build the skills that I need, such as reading Braille 
mobility with a white cane, using a screen reader, and being an avid user and seeker of assistive technologies. I truly believe that accessibility is at the intersection of everything. Everything I do and use, I need it to have accessibility built into it so that I can perform at my peak. I want to be effective, efficient, and competitive in everything that I do, whether it be navigating a website, a mobile app, the physical world. I want and need access to all of that. Accessibility gives me access, and the best way to, for me to define access is just being able to do what I want, where I want, and when I want to do it without encountering barriers that could exist if things are not accessible. Going from your definition there to paraphrase uh, a slogan from another nonprofit, uh, if it's not accessible, nothing else matters. Accessible is um, paramount to belonging. Employment, think about employment. It is something that I think many of us, it, we've, we find self-value and all kinds of positives with employment. If we do not have access to information, tools, resources, user interfaces, all these different things, it is a barrier for employment. And Disability In's you know, paramount mission is to help individuals find gameful employment. And that is, we accomplish that through working with our corporate partners to, to build in accessibility and, and, and so forth. It's all integral, and no matter what we look at, as I always say, accessibility truly is at the intersection of everything. It, it ties into access, and access is belonging. We all want to feel like we belong, and we belong when we can just have equal entry. So we're talking about travel in this series of podcasts, and Jeff, how do travel and access merge for you? Let's say when you are out there planning a trip for Jeff Whistle to go talk to people, to go vacation, whatever, how does access play a role in what you choose when planning a trip? I am going to go back in my um, timeline, my personal timeline, eight years ago, before I met my mentor. Mm -hmm. And Janine, you and I would not be talking today. I would not have traveled as much as I have if it wasn't for finding my mentor who encouraged me to embrace my vision loss as a strength and taught me that information is the key. I love a podcast that I heard. I want to say it was like a neuroscience gentleman that was speaking, but he said the human brain does not like gaps of information. Uh -huh. And when there's gaps of information, the human brain fills in that gap with fear and anxiety. Ooh, I like that. I would imagine everybody listening has probably had the sleepless night when you're getting ready to travel, you're getting ready to do something, and you don't have all of the information that you need to feel confident. And to, uh, so when we find information that we need, it's, it squeezes out that fear and anxiety in our brain and those gaps, and it fills it in with information. So finding my inner voice and embracing my vision loss was part of my information process. So that was the first thing. 
I share that with you because there were opportunities in my former employer that I really wanted to go for, but it would involve traveling on a quarterly basis. I didn't have the information I needed at that time. I didn't connect with the blind, I didn't connect myself as part of the blindness, low vision community. I, I, I don't know if I was in denial, it was 24-7 for me, but I kind of just I avoided situations. I let my comfort zone become smaller. And I'm a natural extrovert. I was allowing myself to become an introvert. Not that that's a good or bad thing, but it was, it was changing who I was as a person, I think, and interpersonally. So information, first and foremost, in inner voice it was the key with me to even think about traveling independently. So with that being said, thinking about a location that we're going to, and I'm going to use our conference coming up in July, for instance. It can be, for the average human being, traveling to an unfamiliar place has some level, various levels of anxiety and stress. Even if you're an avid traveler, business person, no disabilities or anything, there's just the unknown creates that. Throw in disabilities and so forth, it can increase the various levels of stress and anxiety. So knowing where our conference is, we're putting together a, a short video for um, a little podcast that will describe, okay, when you land, there's three, three airports you can uh, fly into. Each of these airports takes about approximately X, X number of minutes to get to the conference. Well, our conference is at two hotels. It's one big complex, but two hotels. Just even thinking about that, it's like, oh my gosh, this is massive. How, you know, but being able to have the information, and we're going to talk about while you're at the conference, there are, you know, there's quite a few different rooms that you might need to be in. But depending on what group you're in um, and, and what you're attending the conference for, you might spend most of your time in one of the hotels. And it's all adjacent to each other, it's all connected. But just in the ability to, to, Find this information online and pre-plan is really what I'm trying to say. And also there's apps out there that you can actually simulate that location. So when you're um, simulating the location, it's almost, you can find out, okay, what are those points of interest right nearby and how do I get to those points of interest uh, from that location? So technology helps me to, to plan ahead of time huh. and that takes away some of that stress and anxiety and plus the services like the ubers the lifts things like that a lot of that i don't even really worry about i don't even waste a, a moment of of energy anymore janine because there's so much information out there so much ability to pre-plan so i don't know if that answers yeah, it or no, not that's that, kind of that, the first part of it for me that definitely does Let's talk about uh, when you actually get to the venue as you're doing whatever it is you're doing. And we use your conference as an example. What, uh, go ahead and name names of uh, any tools, apps, techniques, strategies that you use when you're on site, away from home, traveling, doing whatever. I have a ton of apps on my phone. <laughs> um, you too, huh? <laughs> and I always... When I do presentations, I like to normalize assistive technology. When I'm doing presentations for our corporate partners, I, I thank everyone. If they brought their smartphone to my presentation, thanks for bringing their assistive technology device with them. Ah. So 
I use VoiceOver on an iPhone. Everybody else who has an iPhone has VoiceOver. <laughs> it's not special just for Jeff. It, it is part of the operating system. <laughs> that normalizes my screen reader. Everybody has it. I will use Google Maps, Apple Maps, the walking directions that are in there. Everybody has access to that, right, who has a smartphone. There's, there's, there are different apps out there. The Lyft and Uber apps, for instance, they're accessible with the um, screen reader. I can order my car. It picks me up at my house, has a description and everything. The driver gets me to the airport, for instance, and as soon as I get out of the Uber, um, whether it's my airport that I frequent a lot or um, a different airport that I'm not familiar with, one of the first things that I will do is, um, and this is not an IRA commercial, but <laughs> I will open up the IRA app. The train agent um, comes online. I use my Bluetooth earpiece, and I let them know that I'm at you know, the Cincinnati International Airport. I'm uh, familiar with this airport, but um, once I get to the security gate, it's helpful uh, visually to have them tell me, okay, about 20 steps to the right is where the turnstile, the, you know, the entryway to the, you know, the little turnstiles that you can go through and all that. Different things like that. And then getting through security is, is pretty straightforward. Using my white cane. I use my white cane for navigation. I use my white cane for identification that I am visually impaired. Oh my gosh, Janine, I have met so many amazingly cool and wonderful people and I get choked up because of my white mm -hmm. cane. The first hundred times I used my white cane was the most vulnerable I've ever felt in my oh, life. Oh yes, I remember it well. <laughs> that hundred and first time. And I, I, I say that facetiously, I don't know how many times it was, but it was dozens of times to the point where when that collapsible cane opens, that sound that it makes mm -hmm. is the sound of independence. No longer a vulnerability. Yeah. Those mobility skills that we all have to have and develop are critically important be before any and all technology. But in conjunction with the technology, the IRA, the, the lift, the transportation apps and so forth, the ability to simulate the location and so forth, uh, the walking directions. I love it when the airports have indoor wave navigation. And whether I'm using good maps right here, any of these, it, it just gives me independence. Not that I'm af um, afraid or embarrassed to ask for assistance, but all of those things in combination together help me to navigate, help me to feel confident, help me to take opportunities and to ex expand my comfort zone. I'm, I'm back. I'm the extrovert I was born to be. I'll share one really quick story. I was walking through an airport, and I still have some residual vision, and I'm walking, I see a gentleman walking towards me, and I see him looking, and I, I see him turn around, and he kind of catches up to me, and he, <laughs> he just, he says, can I offer any assistance? And I didn't tell him that. I saw him actually turn around, but for that guy, he was trying to find the courage to offer help. Mm -hmm. And he did. And, and in a very appropriate way, too. Absolutely. So I meet so many cool people, nice people, because of embracing my vulnerability of using a cane and other technologies and being out there. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. That's just been my lived experience. And and I think it's important each person's experience is different, but there's so much here you say that mirrors my experience. And for anybody out there who's thinking you're on the verge of using that cane, you're on the verge of saying, oh, okay, I actually have to do this. It really is independence. It really does take away so much of that feeling of, you know, just inadequacy, uncertainty, all of those things. And so I would definitely encourage anybody who's on the fence, go for it. Start. You have to start somewhere. And, you know, there are lots of people here to help. And Janine, two things on that. The, the one is I, I always like to share this too. So every one of us is on a different journey with our vision and vision loss and so forth. I know how I, I have been up to this point and how I am with the residual vision that I have and the willingness and courage and everything to, to travel independently. It is my goal to continue that as I continue to lose vision. So I, I, I speak to that as a um, in my current visual state. I hope when I do lose all of my vision to be doing the same thing adapting however I need to, but I just want to share that that's the lens that I that I bring to this. And the, the other thing I wish someone would have told me years ago, I, I think it would have made a difference, but I don't know. But what I want to share with the audience on the white cane, you do not have to be, and most people aren't, totally blind. You don't have to be totally blind to use a white cane. My shins would have thanked me years ago if I would have started using a cane earlier because I bumped into a lot of stuff I didn't need oh, to bump yeah. into. And I made excuses. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't need to do that. And using a white cane earlier would have helped me from oh, that. Oh, yeah. I think my dignity would have suffered far less had I been using mm-hmm. a cane earlier in my vision loss, too. And absolutely. And, you know, you don't have to swing it from side to side. There are all kinds all. of cane yeah. techniques. You can use it just as an identifier. If you are having, you know, you're at that part of vision loss where it's becoming an issue, you've lost enough vision that it's getting in your way, uh, the white cane is definitely helpful as an identifier there as well. So, and we all start there, and we're all anxious Mm -hmm. as heck about it, and uh, I, you know, I'm glad that finally, after many years, and and many guide dogs too, I I really enjoy using my cane from time to time. So don't tell my dog that over here, but uh, (laughs) yeah, and it makes for a whole different airport experience. Let's talk about businesses, the Mm -hmm. corporations that you work with at Disability Inn. How does this whole issue of accessible travel affect the business community? What can providing accessible travel bring? Oh, my gosh. Hopefully we have 10 hours to talk about this. (laughs) Um, I do want to share with the audience, feel free to go to our website, disabilityin.org. At the top of the page, there's um, various tabs. The one that says About Us, when you click on that, it expands. And if you click on Corporate Partners, it'll it'll show the listing of all 400 and 50, 460 corporate partners that are members of Disability In. We are one organization. There's others like us as well um, with very similar missions of empowering individuals with disabilities and um, gainful employment and so forth. So I love sharing 
our corporate partners and what they what they are doing and each one is on an accessibility journey themselves no one company says we got this figured out we're you know we're out there we got everything done um, providing full access so everyone can fully participate no corporate partner says that because they're not there they're on a journey and it's a journey with no final destination technology changes if not if for nothing else but I have an amazing job Janine I get to work with the leadership uh, accessibility leaders subject matter experts chief diversity officers HR benefits accommodations leave of absence em um, employees employee resource group members and leaders and to, to hear what all of our corporate partners are doing to make their websites their mobile apps their physical locations accessible so that everyone can fully participate it's incredible I, I, I use several examples our friends at Starbucks for instance ah, yes. and it, it's it's funny when you look at the um, I was looking at the IRA app and the new Explorer app. I installed that this morning, and I was looking at the locations where IRA is free for users and Starbucks is there. Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's incredible. There is literally a Starbucks on every it's corner. Just about, it seems yeah. Like. yeah. But what Starbucks has done, they looked at the experience of getting to the front door of their, their store location. What's that experience like for various use cases of individuals with disabilities? What's the experience like opening up that door and, and getting inside? And then there's 30 feet, 40 feet, whatever it is on the average location to mm -hmm. get from the front door to the counter. What's that experience like? Getting to the counter, ordering. You know, can you see the, the menu? Can you hear it when they call your name, when your order's ready? Mm -hmm. Can you, um, you know, what's that experience like, you know, moving past the counter and, and, like I said, picking up your order and then either eating in the store or the location or, or getting back out the 30, 40 feet to the door and out the door? I mean, when companies look at that, it helps them to innovate. At many of their locations, they have a thing now where it actually has your name and it tells you the status of your order on the, on the digital display. Oh different things like this. They're looking at um, tactile t um, indicators on, on the cups, for instance. But when companies look at things like that and make changes, I think of my friend Sam from Procter & Gamble. Everyone's oh, heard yes. of Procter & Gamble. They are using technology, especially they're doing a lot starting in the UK, in London and that. They're, they're looking at the container for laundry detergent. It's a box and the old safety mechanism was very difficult for anyone with dexterity mm -hmm. or dexterity issues or one-handed type thing, but it still needs to be child safe. So they developed a, a patented technology to make that box easy to open and safe that young kids can't open it. But they also put a tactile symbol, a universal symbol for laundry detergent on the box and on many of their applications, many of their products are actually using this Navi Lens technology, oh, yes. N-A-V-I-L-E-N-S. And it's coming to the States, but right now in the UK they're doing a, a lot of it and you can be walking down the grocery store aisle and with the Navi Lens app open, which is free, mm -hmm. you can find the product 
click on it, and as you're walking down that aisle, that Navi Lens code is pinging your phone before, through the camera, almost with pinpoint accuracy. That it'll get you to the to the section where it is, to the shelf, and when you're right in front of it, it has this different tone. That you, it's it's easy to find as a blind person. It's easy to find a product on the shelf with pinpoint accuracy. And then you can click on a button, and it will tell you everything you ever wanted to know and more about oh, that yeah. product. And I know Kellogg's is exploring that technology as Absolutely. well, and uh, Coca-Cola, and it's amazing. This is a QR code-based kind of um, system. It's um, similar to the way QR codes operate, um, and that's huge, just being able to pick out your own you know, merchandise, actually, and giving people that ability. And I, I really have to applaud these companies that are looking into really novel ways of doing this. And you're right, accessibility is definitely a journey. I talked to a business years ago that said, look, we built a ramp for you people. <laughs> that was one of those, yes, but have you looked at your ramp lately? It's It was a wooden ramp, of course, and it's it's deteriorated over the years. You need to look at that. And they did go out and look at, oh, we didn't, oh, wow, this is bad. We need to fix this. Yes. Yeah. So keeping, keeping in touch with technology in terms of a business, but also looking at the physical aspects of it, the labeling, the path to your door, the path through your eating area if you're a restaurant. And it doesn't have to be, you know, something... Uh, very obvious. It can be something very, very unique and very quiet and discreet. Absolutely. Even companies like MasterCard with the uh, debit and credit cards and so forth and the notches mm. on them to just physically be able to distinguish and things. Disability Inn has a global reach. We have over 52 countries that um, our corporate partners are involved in. And it's interesting, you know, we might get frustrated occasionally here in the States that something's not accessible, even though we have the American Disability Act and things like that. 32 years ago it was signed, and we still encounter accessibility barriers and that. Many countries don't even have regulations for accessibility. So what's very inspiring to me is when our corporate partners who have global locations, they might have 500 locations throughout the, the different countries, those countries may not have regulations, so they're not required to do anything extra. But many of our corporate partners, Janine, are looking at, okay, what is the benchmark standard, the best thing we can find, and how can we standardize that in all of our locations, prioritizing, right? You can't fix everything overnight, but prioritizing, regardless of what country our location is in, regardless of what the environment is like there, what is that standard that we're going to hit? And it's really, to me, that's just inspiring. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, that's just the bare minimum. We're going to go above and beyond that, but we want to put something in place right now that doesn't even exist as the starting point in these regions of the world and so forth. So I, that's the kind of stuff that is um, just thrilling to me to see all the time and money and resources our corporate partners are putting into this. We didn't even touch on programs yeah. for neurodiverse, um, you know, the neurodiverse community and so forth. Uh, 
there's over 50 companies that got together and created a platform and a, a program for establishing neurodiversity programs. And the terminology changes, so I apologize to anyone if I'm not using the correct term, you know, the, the, the most up-to-date terminology, but just it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and the other thing too, talent and recruiting. Uh, we, yes. we see a lot of this. Ta all of us have a value system that we bring to the table when we make decisions and we do the tasks and roles of our jobs. If my education and my lived experience is around making eye contact and what, what you know, many folks feel traditional social characteristics, well, if I don't demonstrate those social characteristics, it doesn't make me bad or wrong. It's really the folks who are bringing that lived experience, expecting or thinking, well, that's the only way to do an interview is to make eye contact. I, companies aren't paying you to make eye contact or, or things like that. Companies are paying us to do a task and to perform it at, our, at, at the best level we can. So if, if we don't change our processes, we're wrong. <laughs> um, it's all about inclusion and innovation. Oh, there's that word, Disab yes. Disabilities bring, we, we bring a diversity of thought to the table that every company wants us to do. You have to shake things up. You have to shake up the way that we've traditionally done things because there's a lot of really great talent out there that we need to need and want to discover and give them the opportunity to lead the next generation forward. My final discussion in this interview is uh, tell us about what's coming up for Disability Inn and, and for Jeff Whistle personally in terms of travel. July 10th through the 13th, our conference is Orlando, Florida. Oh, that'll um, be fun. <laughs> Orlando absolutely. in the middle of July, yay. <laughs> absolutely. There are many conferences out there, many wonderful conferences. I think ours is unique in the sense that the passion the connections, the excitement, the motivation for this community of amazing people that come together from CEOs to every level of the companies and connecting with each other, that affirmation that yes, we are on the right track. The greatest thing about our Disability in Conference, Janine, so many of our corporate partners are competitors in business to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but every one of our corporate partners through the Disability and Platform finds the ways to be amazing collaborators in accessibility and disability inclusion. We see things like a, a major Fortune 50 company talking about their self-ID campaign and how every aspect, they were so excited about it, and then the very day of launching. I love this. This wonderful woman, her whole demeanor changed as she's doing her presentation. She says, and then about 20 minutes after we launched, I start getting all these texts and emails. The very, <laughs> the very system we chose to use for our self-ID campaign was not accessible. Jeannie and I guarantee you, no one else in that audience ever made that same mistake. But the, the willingness to allow themselves to be vulnerable to share an experience, to save other major corporations from doing that same thing. We're all going to fail at different things. We want to fail. We're going to fail fast. If we don't fail, sometimes we're not trying hard enough. But if we can save someone else, another organization, that time and effort, 
they're going to pass it forward. That's what we see about our conference. Plus, when you see these next-gen leaders um, with every disability under the sun being represented, and they have these the skills and the tools, and they have self-disclosed disabilities, and they're getting job offers, and Jill gets up on stage. Jill's pre- Jill um, Houghton, the president of Disability Inn, gets on stage and says, Northrick Roman just made three offers to next-gen leaders. Wow. It is incredible. So that's that's what we have. Um, in-person attendance is um, closed at this point. We're just very blessed to have um, a lot of amazing people that are going to be there. And then for me personally, Janine, just living this amazing dream to work with corporate partners. I always say I'm doing beyond awesome. Um, if there's something in my life that's stressful, I share it. But for the most part, I'm known for saying I'm doing beyond awesome because every day I am surrounded by corporate partners and employees and, and just individuals who are equally as, equally as passionate about making a positive difference for folks with disabilities. And we, th- we thrive on each other. You know, we, we motivate each other. And um, so I have the, the, the coolest job to be able to work with corporate partners, individuals, and to feel like we're making a positive difference and ideally reducing the unemployment rate for individuals with disabilities in meaningful, amazing roles at different companies. And it's just great to be part of this journey. I'm forever grateful. Uh, that really sounds like uh, my, my thoughts about working at IRA, too. Before I forget, Janine, we know through the DEI survey, the Disability Quality mm-hmm. Index survey, that on average, less than 5% of employees self-disclose a disability. And there's many potential reasons for that. But a word of encouragement to anyone out listening, if you have a disability and you're working for a company, learn about their employee resource groups, join an employee resource group. It's a great path to finding information to help build the information you need to find your inner voice if you haven't found your inner voice with a disability yet. But we need folks to self-disclose when they're ready to. It's, it's okay if we're not in a place to self-disclose, but companies want to be able to provide the resources to help you perform at your peak. And when we have those tools and resources, we do have the ability to, to do a perform at our peak much better than without those resources. And I just see firsthand the the emphasis companies are placing, and it's not just to hit a number, it's they want us to be able to do the best that we can. These tools cost very little on average. It's a matter of just making, each of us finding our inner voice, bringing that diversity of thought to the table, and if tools and technology can help us do that, companies want to pro- want to provide that those resources to us. So I share that with the, with the group. Janine, if we have 30 seconds, oh, yeah. one thing I would love, love to point out too. So for our corporate partners, but also for companies that are not members of Disability Inn, procurement is a critical component with accessibility. So many accessibility things are in the control of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Creating accessible content for the websites, mobile apps, and so forth. But let's talk really briefly about products and services that we buy and use internally and externally. Uh-huh. We want to make sure those are accessible. So on the disabilityin.org website, there's one of the tabs, there's um, a link for procure access. And there's two goals of the procure access initiative. One is to create the awareness that it is really important to ask about the accessibility 
of the products and services before you buy them as a corporation or as an organization. And the second is if your organization is not incorporating accessibility requirements into your contracts, it's highly something to think about because if you purchase something and it's not accessible, it's on the organization to remediate it unless you can negotiate with that vendor that you've already negotiated a contract on. Also, when we do have the contractual obligations, it helps to really help those vendors to prioritize accessibility within their organization. More companies that sign on to the Procure Access Statement helps to get that word out. And it's a collaboration between buyers and sellers because every one of our corporate partners is a buyer of products and services, but Janine, every organization is a seller of a product or service. It's a collaboration between buyers and sellers, and it's just another aspect of accessibility through the procurement process. So thanks for letting oh, me get that one definitely, in there. definitely. And so I am a business owner or I am someone in a department that is looking at maybe getting some new software for CRS. Can I come to Disability Inn and look at your website or uh, contact Absolutely. you folks and say, which one of these products is going to give me the most accessibility for my employees? Definitely the first part. The Procure Access Initiative is open to corporate partners and non-corporate partners. And we are looking for more and more companies to sign on to the Procure Access Statement. And there's a lot of great resources there um, to help with that. And if I am somebody with a disability who is working with a product that is very accessible, can I report that to you? Definitely. We we don't necessarily list Mm -hmm. those, but it is helpful for us. Um, Our corporate partners are always asking, um, you know, about this and so forth. So. Great. Great, because Absolutely. I've been pleasantly surprised to find more and more of these products that are accessible. And for some of the tried and true ones like Salesforce, some of the improvements that they've made are just wow. <laughs> Jeff, how can people contact you and Disability in? Easiest way, I can be reached at accessibility at disabilityin.org and disabilityin.org for anyone that wants to view it. Uh, We are a business-to-business organization, so if your company is uh, not part of Disability and we encourage um, that you you do check us out. Lots of resources to share. Absolutely. You can spend hours on the website, and if you are a job seeker, I highly encourage you to go uh, take a look at the website, take a look at their corporate partners, because certainly companies that make the commitment with disability in yeah i love your uh, tags on social media are you in well thank you so much jeff for being with us here on access matters thanks for this opportunity janine wow that's a lot of information to digest hi it's janine recording from her office today is it's a little warm outside Of course, we want to thank Jeff Whistle from Disability Inn for joining us here on Access Matters and for being very candid about his own journey with disability. One very important subject that Jeff touched on is disclosure. I want to talk about that for a minute because it's really a point of conflict for a lot of people who are facing disability, maybe later in their career, mid-career, or even going into a career with a disability. At what point do you tell your employer what is going to happen? What are people going to say? You know what? 
you're not a mind reader and neither am I. We really don't know until we actually try something how it's going to turn out. Now that's pretty scary, especially when we're talking careers. However, it may turn out a lot better than you think. And Jeff is living proof of that. Having a mentor with that disability is also super important, I think. I had a lot of them over my career in various disciplines from journalism to radio production to grant administration and more, I think having someone with a similar condition that you can look toward and say, how did you do this? How, what's going to make this easier for me as I go toward finding the new reality that I'm in? There's a lot to think about. And Disability Inn is one of, as Jeff noted, a number of resources out there. I would highly encourage folks to take a look at the website. And if you are facing the whole disclosure issue, take a deep breath, look around, and start looking for a mentor. Start looking for someone to talk to who has a similar condition to yours. If you are attending the Disability Inn Conference, we will be there. Look for Ira in the exhibit hall and elsewhere. We hope you have a wonderful Independence Day holiday. Stay safe. This has been Curtis the Guide Dog and Janine Stanley for Access Matters. Do you have any comments or questions about the show? Email us at accessmatters at ira.io. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Access Matters with Janine Stanley. This podcast is a production of Ira Tech Corp. To learn more about visual interpreting, visit our website, http colon slash slash ira.io, or email us at access at ira.io.